You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California. Thanks for letting me into your busy schedule. I really appreciate you listening. Tonight, we're talking about finding peace in life and death by Patrick Baxter. It's a very positive message that leads us step by step to make sure that when we hit the end of the road, we have no major regrets. I think this is a really important message as we begin a new year. And speaking of a new year, here it is, 2016. Now, 2016 is a nine universal year. And if you take the year and reduce it down to the single digits, such as two plus zero plus one plus six equals nine. Nine is a finishing number and represents the end of a cycle. It's also the number of the humanitarian. That means that 2016 is a year of completion, rest, and forgiveness. It's a very, very powerful year. Everything in numerology goes in a nine-year cycle. So we've actually come a full circle since the last nine year, which was 2007. The number nine is all about endings, but with endings come brand new beginnings. 2016 is a very karmic year. It's a time that we will receive the karma from all the good or the bad that we've done. You get a chance to end something this year once and for all. Something in your life will come to an end. Now, this doesn't have to be a bad thing. Endings can be fantastic. And yes, we are actually seeing breakups occur. Hollywood has already set that trend with so many celebrities filing for divorce or cutting ties. It's out with the old and in with the new. But from a personal standpoint, you could be cleaning house for yourself this year. Each of us will probably have an ending of some sort to deal with this year. Now, that may be a good thing or bad thing, depending on your perception. Some things are supposed to end so that something new can come in. Your karma may be complete with the situation or a person this year. Allow it to unfold so that you can be rewarded karmically. Don't try to tempt, alter, or fight fate. If you have a breakup, just realize that there's something better coming along. Possibly a new relationship that was needed to create a new child that has been waiting for their parents to finally unite. Or maybe it could be the end of waiting like the end of being single. It could mean that you are finally ending a life of solitude and beginning a brand new relationship. It could also mean that if you started a business in 2006, that the business has now matured and has released all the obstacles needed for your constant attention. That means that now you have more freedom to do what you want to do because everything has matured and the necessity for you to be there is no longer there. That's a good thing. Whatever happens, just know that it is the best thing to happen to you karmically. And always remember that no matter what happens, the universe has got your back. Now, just for a minute, go back and look at the year 2007. Did you begin a relationship in that year? 
Perhaps you started work for a new company? Maybe you went back to school part-time and are just now finishing your degree. I also look at this nine cycle as a chance to go back over the past and revisit the things that you would like or you need to redo. For some of you, that may mean even a second chance in a relationship. I expect a lot of spiritual growth this year under the influence of the number nine year. There will be more and more people looking to a higher power for knowledge, direction, and wisdom. This new year will move quickly. So if you're one of those folks who have a lot to let go of, you'll be able to do it sooner rather than later. We already know that the year 2016 is the ending of the Obama administration. I don't have a clue at this point who's going to lead the new administration, but we know things are ending and new starts will be occurring because it's part of the U.S. karma. And I'm going to go out on the limb and say, you know what? Things are going to be better than we anticipated. Try not to hold on to things too tightly because then the energy and the force of the number nine may not be pleasant to deal with. Learn to let go and let be. It will be much easier and you will be so glad you did. You know, I remember so many people losing their homes and being so disappointed about their major loss until they began to realize the freedom that came with not being a homeowner. They finally became free in ways they had never imagined. A house, a mortgage repairs, and increased interest rates went away, and they began to live their dreams, such as traveling, playing, and living life to the fullest because they were freed from all of that responsibility. Life after that loss became so much richer, so much easier. We all see that there's a lot of work for humanity that needs to be done, especially with the refugees flooding into almost all the countries of the world. That will surely be the focus on how we can help everyone to thrive as we all grow together in unity and peace. That's what we must do is to grow together, not be divided. That is extremely important. And that's what's going to lead us into the golden age. In the personal arena, 2016 marks a time to finish projects, to decide about the next cycle of endeavor, to begin in 2017, a year of beginnings as it resonates with the number one, which happens to be ta-da, a new political administration in the White House. Isn't that funny? It's not really. It's like it's all coming to be the way it's supposed to be. It's karma. While personally, you may be experiencing a different personal year number, universally, you can look forward to this year starting busy but tapering off to have a very quiet second half. Remember, your key words are completion, rest, and forgiveness. So whatever your resolutions are for 2016, Take it easy on yourself. Forget about dropping a, a few stray pounds. Instead, think about dropping that grudge you've been carrying around. You know, you're going to feel so much lighter. With that, I'm going to invite you to come on our cruise on March 6th through the 10th in Los Angeles. Oh my goodness, this is the most exciting cruise ever. We have got some really good friends and listeners flying in from Australia, Canada, Florida, Wisconsin, Kansas, and of course, 
those that are already in California. We have a few people who have booked waiting for cabin mates, so hurry and sign up. The rate is $715 per person. And if you go to paypal.com forward slash credit, you can get six months interest-free credit approved within seconds. That means you can make low monthly payments and not pay any interest for six months. It just doesn't get any easier than that. So hurry because the rates are going to go up from week to week. They will go up. So find a friend to come with you, especially those in California, and come and meet Pam Grout, Constance Arnold, Gary Bodley, Cassie Parks, and me. I can hardly wait to spend four wonderful nights with you. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com. Now, let's take a fast break and return with Patrick Baxter as we talk about finding peace in life and death. We'll be right back. The incredible, magnificent Law of Attraction Cruise of a Lifetime is taking place on March 6th through 10th, 2016, featuring New York Times bestselling Law of Attraction author Pam Grout and featuring Michael Perlman, MD of Law of Attraction Journaling, and best-selling and award-winning wealth author Richard Harper, along with our own beautiful and dynamic speaker Constance Arnold, will be on board as well. Don't forget Gary Temple Bodley, who channels Joshua, will be on board, and you will be able to have direct interactions with Joshua. And then there's the Champagne Living Dream Coach, Cassie Parks, as well as me, Jules Johnson. This is a powerful cruise and is happening during the week of the total solar eclipse in Pisces, which is ruler of the water, which means that which you shine a light on will shift almost effortlessly. So what are you waiting for? This is your chance to finally change your life in profound ways. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com and sign up today. There's still cabins available, but the rates will increase weekly. Need a cabin mate? No worries. We have like-minded individuals for you to room with. Take this time and invest in yourself. You will be so happy you did. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com radionetwork.com. See you on board. Okay, we are back and you are listening to The Law of Attraction Talk Radio with Jules. Now, I want to introduce you to Patrick Baxter, who wrote a wonderful book called Finding Peace in Life and Death, which clarifies philosophical, spiritual, and scientific perspectives to determine the fate of our existence and helps guides us to the state of mind necessary to find peace and happiness so that, well, we can enjoy life and accept death. Patrick spent years researching philosophy, spirituality, and physical science. His education and work background is in medical laboratory science, and he is also a graduate of Guitar Institute of Technology in Hollywood, California. He lives on a farm in Ontario, Canada with his wife, Alina, and you can get this really wonderful book by going to Patrick baxter.com a special note i liked this book so much that law of attraction magazine just gave the book finding peace in life and death a must read endorsement this is a book that brings us into alignment with living a wonderful life so that we have less regrets when it's our time to be rebirthed into another realm. Well, welcome, Patrick, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I am so delighted to talk with you today. Thank you so much. It's very great to have a chance to talk to you. Let's talk about your book about finding peace uh, with life and death. Mm-hmm. I... I 
thought it was a very, very powerful little book in that it um, gives you steps to understand completely death and actually life. What's important in life in order for you to be happy in death? I thought this was quite powerful. Right. Thanks. Yeah, I tried to pack a lot of ideas in, and uh, I, it started really very philosophically. I, I read a lot of philosophy and a lot that I agreed and didn't agree with that uh, I kind of wanted to boil it all down to what made sense to me and and focus a lot on on what it is that, that really makes us happy so we can be not um, shocked, I guess, or... Uh, when when we die or when others die around us, it seems so overwhelming at times. So. Yes, definitely. One of the reasons why you wrote this book is because you kind of want to bring death out of the closet. So why is it so important for you to even talk about this? Well, I think especially in uh, Western culture, we really kind of avoid the topic of death as if, you know, if we avoid it, it won't happen or something. Mm. And that's why people are so, uh, they're not really ready when it, when it happens and they can't seem to move past it quite often. I had a lady come into, into my bookstore and this is where it really kind of turned from philosophy into focusing a little bit more on death. Um, she was looking for a, a book on dealing with death and I, and I thought it was a bereavement type of book, but after a little bit, she confided in me that it, it actually was, uh, she was terminally ill and she was dying and and it really, it impacted me so greatly. I felt so bad. I just didn't feel like I had anything to offer to, to help her. And uh, and I was already working on this book and it seemed like such a a, a common thing that you're you're isolated in that, in that way. It's such a lonely path when you're when you're faced with death and your mortality or that of loved ones, it's it needs some way to bring it into the open so it's not such a scary thing. I I love this. I absolutely love this because all of our life we are afraid of the unknown of dying, but yet you address why we shouldn't we should be preparing every day for death by getting to that place of peace and happiness right now. And, and to me, that's a whole new way of looking at it. And it's so refreshing. And I like your analogy that you brought up in your book that said that we're all like waves in the sea. Could, mm-hmm. could you talk about that? Because I think it's really profound what you came up with. Well, I was trying to look for a way to kind of explain how we're, uh, we're all very connected, not only to the universe, but also to each other. Um, when it comes down to it, uh, even after death and before our, our lives and during our lives, we're all connected. This whole energy is all connected, but we, we really kind of lose sight of that when we're when we're in our lives because mm-hmm. we're we're kind of experiencing life as something different than we're used to as as energy beings so so that if if the universe was a giant ocean and our lives were little waves on the ocean we w- we feel that our wave is separate from everybody else right but it's mm-hmm. really just riding on top of not only the whole universe verse and and the rest of the universe but the other people that are around us and the people that aren't around us anymore that are that are energy in that universe at the same time so we're we're still constantly connected and and when that wave ends up crashing to shore it doesn't just disappear it it goes back into the ocean and and mingles in with the the rest of the energy that's there before it comes back up later and, and starts a new life as a new wave. So we are all but a drop in the ocean of life. A little drop. Our lives are. But like I say, we're all one. So that whole ocean, we all are part of of that. So we focus our lives as being 
something that's not really connected to a whole and that's that's wow. where we lose where we lose sight and we think of ourselves as just being a part of it but we're really part of a greater greater being right so mm, very good yes now how you mentioned um um that self-worth plays a part in um the death scenario or or leading up why can you talk about that a little bit or why self-worth is so important we look at ourself and in our ego gets a kind of a, a misinterpretation of who we really are right so mm -hmm. we're really we're we're looking at ourselves as as people and trying to build ourselves up uh, to be more than we really are um, to make us larger than we really are. It's, it's our ego kind of taking over and, and not seeing that we were are all one and part of one whole, um, but really pushing us to make us think that our, our life and our physical existence is really what our existence resol revolves around. Mm -hmm. And it's really not, right? Uh, um, I, I think it's I mentioned something about Plato in there. Yeah. Talk, talking about uh, <clears throat> you can destroy the horse, but you cannot destroy the horseness. So what what I think he's saying he's he's saying your life is like your horse. You you're a horse when you're alive, and but if you kill that horse, the horseness or the essence of that being it still exists. So if you s set aside that self worth of what you're getting or what you feel you are as a human being and look at what you are as, as an entity or an energy, it's really kind of it's insignificant of what you do in your human life. Not what you do, but what you are. Like you, you, you can't really push yourself up to being more important than someone else because that's, that's just not the case. So we're all basically the same and right. equal. Right. Hmm. Interesting. And, and it's it's interesting that um, people get this in, interpretation that uh, if you make mistakes and you do bad things, that you'll somehow be punished or something. And I don't really think that's the case. After after death, you are one. You are all part of that ocean, and and that will be kind of understood what what had happened in through your life and it was all part of of uh, our existence and in helping others to to grow as much as as we are ourselves right so everybody has a part and sometimes that part isn't really a positive part but it's still something we can take from that even if it's a negative person you can take something from that and learn something from that and it pushes you along to a greater ending Interesting. Do we have like a life's purpose when we are born that we fulfill by the time we die? Um, I think it's something that we build on through through many lives. Um, our purpose is, is got to be to, to help others, really. Mm -hmm. um, to serve, right. Right. Because, and that's really the only way you can kind of combat your, your ego is your greatest ally to push down your ego is is humbling yourself to the point that you recognize that there is so much good in in others and being able to help others even when they're suffering and be able to say you know what I, I want to help them and and bring yourself down a peg to to the point that you don't want to get above that you want to help stop that from happening to others Wow that's a very powerful statement uh, really makes you think. So let's talk about the human essence, which I think you were just talking about. But yeah. it, it has, in your book, you state that our mind has three levels, conscious thought, subconscious, and essence. So what is the essence? What's the definition of that? Well, the essence has a, how I put it together, how I perceive it. Um, we are all our essence, and our and our essence has always been and always will be. It was there before we were born. It will continue after we after we die. So, but during life, it kind of comes 
past that point into uh, conscious, subconscious, and then a physical reality that we're dealing with. Um, so the things that happen in our life, um, it gets perceived by our subconscious, really. Uh, when we see things, sometimes we dismiss things without consciously knowing they're there. Yeah. Our, our, our minds really take in a lot more information than our conscious mind wants to deal with. So. Right. So it kind of our subconscious kind of weeds that out, stuff that we don't find in our conscious mind important. So it kind of takes stuff off that may be very important, but is not important to our conscious mind, and then passes that interpretation of what's happened along to your conscious mind. And your conscious mind, which is where your ego lives, kind of basically takes an interpretation of that and says, okay, this is what's happened. And that's why our perspective of reality gets so skewed, because you're kind of looking at an interpretation of an interpretation of what happened and and taking that as, as truth or reality. So you can see how different people can have a different view of the same situation or the same reality, but we still look at, at our reality as being the foundation of our being and as being absolute. And and truth and it's really it's really not it's an interpretation so we can that's how we can kind of understand that that we don't have to use that reality as our basis of our being and we can kind of keep in mind that our ego is playing a part in that and and look forward to kind of move ahead further so that we're not getting trapped into into assuming something is what it isn't really so the essence is our true self that stays with us from life to life after right. we die it, we really are kind of emerging completely into the essence of who we were is that's, is that what you're saying that's right yeah so i use in, in the book i use an analogy as being in a in an amusement park, if if your eternal being was your essence, it's like being in an amusement park and and you uh, you go on different rides, which are lives or our physical lives, and then when you come back off, you're safely off the ride and you're back into the amusement park with your with your essence and your, your eternal being and with the oneness of the universe. So, but you'll go on many rides. So. People often say, you know, well, why don't I remember past lives if I've had them? But, but the thing is, you don't want to because you go on these rides, you go on a lot of the same rides. It doesn't matter how many there are. After a dozen or a hundred times on each ride, you're not going to really get much out of them. So, so it's it's by choice and by design that we don't usually recall events in past lives because we're trying to move ahead and progress to a to a greater being interesting so would you say i mean i've been noticing um the last couple of months that i've had signs all throughout my life that have led me to certain situations but i've always had a sign of it happening before it actually happened is that my communication with my soul essence uh, is, is getting to that metaphysical place where we're, um, some are psychically connected? Is that part of the essence that we're connecting to? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think a lot of us are a lot more, I mean, we're all psychically connected right. if we choose to be. It's just... I think the more you get into this way of thinking, the more you open yourself up to recognizing those signs that may have been there all the time, but now you see them more because you're open to see them and you're not kind of closing off your reality as what your ego interpreted as being, right? So Right, right. Yeah, as far as the signs, I really didn't stop to realize that I got the signs until just recently that I look back and I'm going, 
oh, wow, I had that sign before I did that, you know, really yeah. amazing. So, yeah, as I get older, I'm able to actually, this makes so much sense to me because I'm, I'm actually able to recognize the essence of who I am at a, at a better level. So it's, it, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So in the book, you mentioned the birth process is similar to the death process. L let's talk about that a little bit. What was this about? It's more that uh, birth is more celebrated because we're so connected and so involved in this uh, physical reality that we seem birth as being a, you know, a wonderful, joyous occasion, and, and it is. Um, but if we're to look at it from a position of non-physical existence, um, somebody that's dying out of, of coming out of life into the non-physical life, it's kind of like a birth for them or a celebration for them kind of leaving behind the physical life and, and evolving into back into being what you are and, and the energy of whom, whom you are. So they're rebirthing into uh, another existence just as the new, the, the newborn is coming out to grow. So it's all about a growing process. So what, what do you think happens in um, the death process? I think we're really, uh, <clears throat> we're presented a lot. Uh, first off, we're not really dealing with a judgmental God that's going to be punishing us and, and sending us somewhere. I think the oneness of the universe is basically our essence or our combined essences. Um, so that when we die, we're kind of really facing the essence of ourselves. We're going back to our essence and, and our essence is still there and as it was before we were born and through our lives um, and saying, you know, this is what happened. You know, are, are you happy with what you did? <laughs> or uh, can you can you explain that? Or let me show you what the impact that you had on others. Um, so I think that's really where a lot of the, the idea of, of heaven and hell can be derived from because uh, we're kind of having a chance to to be shown what we went through, a kind of a replay of what happened and not of what we think happened and our, what our interpretation was from our ego and that uh, conscious thought that we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. um, but the true events that actually happened and how we affected others in a, in a good and a bad way so that we're not, you know, answering to somebody other than ourselves. So really, Judgment Day is really about us judging ourselves. That's yeah, that's right, and it's it's not going to be as easy as as it sounds because you know, like I say, we our essence was there through all of it, and it was seeing what was actually happening, not what our ego was telling us was happening. So when we were stepping on people or helping people, that's all gonna it's all going to be shown to us and say, yeah, wow, you know, you, you really did well here. You kind of dropped the ball here, but you know, <laughs> let's go, let's move ahead and, and, and move on to a, to a higher self. Yeah. And then let's, let's go and be born again and let's redo let's, that part. Let, and hopefully you'll again. get it right this time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's all about learning. And, and that's why I say like, yeah, it's a selective amnesia that you have to have in order to progress through, through lives. Because if you remembered everything you, you had, it, it first off, it wouldn't be fresh and it wouldn't be boring. It wouldn't be exciting, but uh, you need to learn these lessons and, and progress and evolve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you have a, a delightful story about Tabitha and angel. And I thought that was really thought-provoking. Can you share that with us? Sure. Um, Tabitha was my dog. We lived together alone here on my farm, the two of us, for 17 years. Um, she was so much a part of me and the love of my life, really. She was always there for me and, 
and uh, she passed away. Um, and it was about four years later that uh, we decided to get uh, Angel, our, our new dog, we, we found. And she's, she's such a sweetheart, but uh, a little challenging as a puppy. But the more and more she grew, I, I really felt like I was getting the same love that I was feeling from, had been feeling from Tabitha. And it's almost, I, I, I keep questioning if that's her that's come back. And, and I did a lot of studying and reading up about reincarnation from different uh, perspectives. Um, Dr. Ian Stevenson did a lot of, of research in this for, I think, near 50 years in the uh, University of Virginia School of Medicine. Um, but as well, like a lot of the Buddhist beliefs and that of reincarnation and how the time frame that we were looking at to, uh, to that people were, were reincarnated. I think Buddhists say it's uh, like an average of 49 days, I, I think, uh, for uh, conception, not actually rebirth. But, uh -huh. uh, but I, think, I think Ian Stevenson, I think it was around a year or a year and a half or something was average for, a, for an actual rebirth. Um, but it was four years that, that uh, after Tabitha died that Angel was born. So it seemed kind of odd. And then I started really thinking about uh, um, not only why is it longer lengths or shorter or longer lengths, it may not be so much that people believed that it was your readiness to come back into a new life, but it's maybe more to do with another person's readiness for you to move on and, and let ah. you go. It's almost like we're holding, I, I would have been holding Tabitha back and because I really had a hard time letting go of her because it was, like I said, it was just the two of us and and uh, she taught me so much about uh, love and and and, and life. Uh, so after she passed away, it was really quite hard and, and uh, like I say, I had a hard time letting go of her but so not only it's so much about when that person is ready to to come back to a new life but when you're ready to let them go and so that they're able to to come back and also on and also on top of that there's a lot to do with with time that you, you recognize that time is really not a factor in, in non-physical existence or in the, the non-physical world the time is really just a, a product of of the physical universe and the life that we we live in outside from that it doesn't really have effect so that is so interesting so you what i just heard you say is that um, a pet will come back to you after you let them go you kind of surrender to them being gone and they're really coming back for you not as much as it is for them is is that what you're saying yeah in in a different form it doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of a pet or or in the form same with a person it doesn't have to be someone that might come back into your life or into your next life um, but but we really don't have a choice but to come back to people we, we love or people that love us that's that's where we we have to go there is no way for for us to avoid um, being reborn to a, a, a situation of, of love, that it it has to boil down to that because you can't you don't really have a choice of if a person that you know and loved, perhaps a parent, died, and is it possible that they can come back as even your own child? Is it possible that they can come back as a friend or another child that you can nurture? What oh. what what is uh, what's that all about? Um, absolutely. I mean, it's <clears throat> yeah, people see the the universe as being very fast, and you know how could how could somebody come back and be that close to you, right? If it's so many opportunities, but the the feelings of of love and connection act as as eddies it's like whirlpools or or a magnet that draw that person back to the same to the same reality or the same 
essences that are are about that so that you, you really can't help um being pulled back to the same same people or the same energies that that loved you like i said a rebirth it has to occur with uh, some condition of pre-existing love so you can't just be born to somebody that you would have no connection to because you wouldn't choose to do that in your in your non-physical existence you want to come back and you're drawn to come back it's the same way even when our in our physical lives um, we can be drawn from a long way away and end up meeting people by chance and it's not not necessarily so much chances as, as we think um, people happen to be pulled together somehow my wife is actually from from South America and uh, I, I ended up going into a different uh, kind of field several years ago and ended up working and she had come across to to Canada and we ended up working together and, and meeting there it's and it's amazing how you can be kind of drawn into the same same place and yet I'm sure we had coexisted before in past lives it's it's it just seems so so perfect like the way it kind of came together it's orchestrated so well but it's it's more than orchestrated it's like I say like it's like a magnet you get pulled into these situations that draw you together Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, I um, uh, married uh, a man um, who already had children. I've never had children. And he, his children had his grandchildren. I only remained married to him for like four years, but I felt such a bond with those children that mm -hmm. they became my grandchildren and yeah. they lived with me and even though I was no longer married. So that person, that man was a catalyst for me to have these children that I've never had. Yeah, yeah. It can draw you. Isn't it something how life works? You know, somebody will come in just for a particular pur uh, purpose. Yeah, and that's a recognition too that I mean everybody does have a purpose that comes into your life and and we need to really be thankful for those people that are even not with us anymore not that they've passed on but they're they have been a part of our lives in the in the past and helped us to be the people that we are and connect us to the people that we needed to be connected to. Mm. Yeah. So I'm looking I'm thinking about people who um, have had issues with people, like they did not end on a great note. I know I had a friend who absolutely hated his father mm. and would not even go to his funeral. It's, it's hard to get past the point of <clears throat> being too invested in, our, in ourselves and, and what we perceive. Um, we need to to get past that and and recognize that whether people are, are are good or bad or have had good or bad influences on our life they're they're not only there for a reason but they're quite often there by design and and by our by our choice right so um like i say before about being drawn into and born into life by a pre-existing condition of love so you may have been put yourself in that position to learn to learn a lesson and you need you need to learn that lesson before you're gonna or you're gonna repeat it right in in another life or even in this life yeah. you have to recognize what people are even the people that are challenging you that you if you can't do anything more than take a little bit of it take a little bit from it rather and and make something build it into something better about your life then we're really missing the point of it happening in the first place and you're kind of looking at life as if it's all by chance and and it can't be by chance because there are a lot of lessons for us to learn because a lot of times I mean people I, I've known people that uh, get in relationships and have an awful time and then 
and then they get out of them and the next thing you know they're in a similar relationship. Um, they were blaming the person before and again they're blaming the next person and they'll blame the next person and they're not really learning anything and they're kind of falling into the same hole over and over because they don't want to stop and take responsibility for what they did themselves and getting involved with that person to begin with. And if we listen to our essence and those little signs, a lot of times there's little signs that says, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. But we disregard that and, and move ahead and then, and then push blame. Our ego wants to push blame on everybody else so that we can feel better about ourselves or build that false sense of self-worth up. Um, and it's really, we doom ourselves to repeat it. And, and it's, it's sad because it's hard to say, okay, I was in that relationship and I really got treated poorly, but I, you know, I forgive that person and, and I know I had a, uh, a part in that by allowing what they yeah. did to affect me so negatively because we all have a choice on whether to let people hurt us or not. So, so if we say, you know, I did, I did let them do that to me and, and I did let that bother me and I let that hurt me more than maybe it, it should. And, and I'll try not to do that next time. And I can kind of progress. And, and like I say, it might seem like a little bit you're getting as opposed to a lot that you lost, but at least you're getting something. It's like when we make mistakes and we don't learn anything from them, it's like we're paying for a lesson and then refusing to learn anything from it. Right, right. Uh, you know, that's the place where I want to be. I want to, I have been a perpetual victim the majority of my life. And yeah. I got to this point where I had to start taking responsibility or else I couldn't be happy. I was blaming everything on everybody else. But where I want to be at the moment that I transition is the place where I am no longer a victim of anything. That's mm -hmm. where I want to be. I take total responsibility for all the good, the bad, and the ugly in my life at the day, at that day that I pass on. That's mm -hmm. where I want to be. So I think that that in itself is surrendering and um, um, getting to that place of being totally happy when you pass, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you have to be, and not only have to get past this point of being a, a victim, but you have to, uh, to understand, too, that as much as a lot of the time when you're a victim, and I've dealt with this a lot as well, that you're you're spending a lot of your energy trying to help others. Mm -hmm. and And a lot of times that becomes too much of the focus. You're really trying to help and you're really trying to help and you, there's like there's nobody you can't help, but there there are people that you can't help. And, and you have to get to an understanding that there needs to be a bit of balance because sometimes we will need to be carried. Yeah. Like just like we try and help others, we can try and help others all we want, but if they're a type that there's a crisis every day and they're just dragging you down constantly and they're never doing anything to to help you help you build yourself up, eventually they'll just drag you down into a hole with them. You have to recognize that you need to cut a little bit of that away and and say, "You know what? I I want to help people." But maybe this time I just can't. Yeah. And uh, and be and be ready. And the hard part for me in this was being ready to accept help when you need it, and and say, you know, that's that's right. I I do help a lot of people, but sometimes I need help myself. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll you'll just be overwhelmed by the weight of carrying all the time, and and you'll sink. Yeah, yeah. The the key word for that is. When you start feeling stress, you got to understand or look and find out, okay, what, what am I doing here and why, why is this happening? And just be, really be honest. So you had mentioned, and I love this part of the book, where life is an illusion, and I completely agree with that. But I want to go into more depth. 
What does the illusion mean to you? An illusion is really, it's, it's our perception of things as they are. Um, it's, it's not necessarily that that tree outside my window doesn't exist. It's what I see that being isn't really what others would interpret that as being. So our situations, things will come into our lives that we will completely miss out on because we're not paying attention and focusing on on something other than, you know, if the tree is a nice, beautiful tree, we might be focusing on the mud puddle that's beside it because I stepped in it yesterday and got my foot soaked. But <laughs> it, it's, you know, you focus on things that are, are, are negative and it, it, that's what makes your reality go to that direction because you're so preoccupied and, and things that are bad and not the things that are, that are good. Um, it, from the same person's perspective, you can have two different realities. So it's really an illusion what you think it is. It can be good and it can be bad. So you're saying two different people could see that tree outside your house. One could see it with brown leaves and another could see it with brand new green leaves. It's the illusion that nothing is really the same for for anybody it's like the definition of god it's different with everybody right right and and i mean it's almost like that the tree could be uh you, you could be looking at it and saying wow what a beautiful tree and the next person could be looking at it and saying wow that's blocking my view of <laughs> what i'm trying to look at right really right. that's kind of how different perspectives of the same thing can be but the more you focus on on things that, I mean, get presented to you instead of trying to look past them. You can, you can focus your energy on, on finding the good things in it. And, uh, and then it's easier to recognize the, the, the other good things that are going on around. I think Oscar Wilde said something like, uh, we're all in the same gutter. Some of us are looking at the filth around us and the rest of us are looking at the stars. Right. So it's basically we're all we can all be in the same position. It's just what we're focusing on that makes our life different and what we imagine or what our illusion of that life really is, is based on where we put our focus. I see. So illusion then is is simply our perspective. It's like for me, I think. Is anything really real? Is it like, is the computer real or is it made up of a whole bunch of different molecules that can turn around and, and transform into something else? Is it real? And in that sense, is death real? So maybe it's not because we're, we're like that wave and that we're mm -hmm. merging into everything else. So it's like we're, there is a, a, a major illusion as to what we're considering our time on this planet is. Yeah, and I, I actually went a little bit into uh, um, removing reality from the equation was one of my chapters. And, and I kind of tried to use a lot of that uh, to kind of cast a little doubt on what we're seeing as 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 real, right? Like talking about uh, matter being made up of molecules, molecules are made up of atoms, but what do we see as atoms being? It may not be what we really think, right? An atom is mostly just vibration in space. That's really all it is. So we're basing our whole existence on something that really isn't, as solid and as we perceive it to be and it's more vibration that it's based on and so we all we all vibrate and that's where that comes from and we all are part of, of an energy yes yes so it's in that sense everything is an illusion 
I love this topic. I love it. This is so important that I think the essence of your book is about every day living life to the fullest, but with that end goal being, I did it to be happy. I did it to accomplish what I came here to accomplish. I did live my life um, to the best of my ability. That's what we really want to get to at the end of our life. It really doesn't have to do with getting money or status or prestige. It has to do with feeling good of what you did as a human before you transition. Is that the essence of your book? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it doesn't matter what, it's getting past this idea that that physical reality is the center of our existence. And, And recognizing that, you recognize that all the things that you perceive as being important, your new car or, or bigger house or, or whatever is really, it, it's irrelevant. You, you want to be able to, in the end, have known that you've, you've lived well and you've really helped people and kind of grown inside yourself so that you can move on to a higher existence and, and ultimately toward enlightenment so that you're, you're helping others so that it can all become a, a better better place here on on earth but but recognizing that you're all one after mm. so that you're not seeing other people as separate or or enemies or or not really adding to what you're here for mm-hmm. they're even the people that have caused you harm are, are here for a reason to push you in a in a direction that you need to be pushed in. Right. So that's what I what I mean when I said earlier that you have to recognize what people that are that are really kind of a pain to you and cost you more grief than than you know, rather than just blaming them for the troubles, accept that they're there for a reason and and take something and move move on. Right, right. That is so good. You know, I remember um, when my dad died, he taught me about life in the instant that he died. Um, It was through experiencing that peace um, that he went through that brought more knowledge to me. So with when I go, I want to be surrounded by the people that I love and I want to have them experience that kind of growth, that kind of knowledge, that kind of understand that I'm not really going anywhere. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah. I'm going into, I'm being reborn into something that is so fabulous i'm going to go home i'm going to see i'm going to be a part death is such a big learning tool and boy that's that's where i want to be experience yes 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 uh uh, and i love the scenario of when you're birthing and and a infant is coming through they're seeing the light Mm-hmm. Just like when you are dying, you're seeing from all of the near-death experiences, people are again seeing the light. That's why it's rebirthing. Yeah. It's like the same exact situation. It's a, a a circle. It's the complete experience of living. You're going in and out the same way. I think that's beautiful. And... Because we're all energy, gosh, you know, dad is around me. I know exactly when he's around me. I know that when he comes into my dreams, he's still very much alive. I know this to be a fact. I have no doubt about it. And it's like I can think of him and say, oh, hi, dad. How are you? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. so he's still so alive that um, we are transcending 
all of the physicality. It's it's really, this is so good. Your book is bringing a lot to light. Um, and I love this because each day we need to be preparing for how we feel at the end of our journey. I think this is really, really important. And I, I just love, love your book. Could you tell people where they could purchase your book? Uh, it's uh, www.patrickbaxter.com. And I just wanted to mention something else quickly. Uh, I, I'm trying to get more involved in this uh, International Day of Happiness that uh, I'm, I'm working on a sign I'm putting up on my farm with a, with a giant happy face on it. And uh, <laughs> uh, I came across this last year, this International Day of Happiness, and it's March 20th every year. And it's such a a neat idea to to take a day to to focus on being happy. It, it was something that was brought up by the the UN. All voted on it uh, a few years back, and 2013 was the first year it was celebrated. So, take a, at least take one day. Start with one day and and be happy and and pleased with what uh, those people around you maybe that have annoyed you or angered you what, that they that they're there to begin with and and push ahead and be happy anyways. Huh. Yeah, that is great. I like that. March 20th, International yeah. Happiness Day. That is yeah. so great. Okay, yeah. I'm going to remind all of my listeners about that. And so we can go to patrickbaxter.com to find out more about that and yeah. uh, to get a link so that we can purchase your really terrific book. Yes, yes. Terrific. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on and and sharing with us some very vital information. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a, a joy to be able to discuss it with you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.
Thank you, Patrick. All right. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.